Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi. And in the studio with me virtually is Rafia Lodi. Hi, Dr. Lodi from North Carolina. What's going on? So in this episode today, Raf, we're going to be talking about everything you need to know about urinary incontinence. Nice. But before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any type of religious or medical advice. So... If you are having any issues with your health, please see your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please see your local friendly religious leader because this is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I am a Muslim woman who happens to talk about sex. Let's just get into it. So, Raf, have you... Do you know anyone or have you heard of urinary incontinence or? Yes, actually, I know a few people going through with it. I mean, a woman of certain age, this is what happens when you have multiple births, you know? Yeah, actually, you're right. When you sneeze, you don't know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that can happen, definitely. So urinary incontinence, as you stated, is where you have, um, where a woman or, you know, anyone really can have a loss of urine uh, when she, so there's different types of urinary incontinence. So it can be, sometimes it can be due to what we call stress incontinence, where if there's like pressure, like a sneeze or a cough or laughing too hard or something like that, they, you know, woman or a person can leak urine or they can be what we call urge incontinence, where sometimes you have to pee so badly that you end up leaking some urine um, or there can be something called mixed where it can be a little bit of both. And so if a woman is experiencing that, you know, one of the most important things of course that she can do is visit her gynecologist. And this does not have to be a normal way of life. I know that some women think like, well, you know, it's because I gave birth and, you know, I'm just meant to leak urine now. And that's just the way it is. Um, It doesn't have to be that way. And so that's, I think, one of the most important takeaways that I want um, our listeners and our viewers to um, understand and that they can go and get help because there is help available. So, and there's different types of help for the different types of incontinence that a person may have, right? Do Um, legal exercises help with this? Um, so Kegel exercises help with the muscles around um, the vagina and the rectum. And those muscles also um, can help with, and some there's some controversy with it, but yes, I would say that Kegel exercises, anything that is going to strengthen that pelvic diaphragm. So imagine if you would like a hammock, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have a hammock mm-hmm. and that is the musculature in our pelvis, yeah. in a female pelvis. Uh, and when we strengthen up that um, hammock, which are those muscles, it's going to keep the integrity of that 
pelvis or that the uh, the like the vagina, the rectum, the bladder that are in that that are being supported by that hammock, it's going to keep them where they are mm -hmm. in place, right? Mm -hmm. And doing those Kegel exercises definitely does help, you know, and um, now more recently there have been, and we're going to get into it, but there are also some lasers. Uh, one of them, um, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to give them free advertisement, but there is a laser that uh, says that with some radio frequency it can help tighten up that uh, bladder so that the woman doesn't leak more, more so like the urethra, like the sphincter, like um, the opening to that bladder tighten it up so that you don't leak urine. Um, so that's one of the things that it advocates along with saying that it tightens up the vagina so it doesn't feel as uh, loose. Um, so that's there is definitely a laser out there for that, but we will get into that. So <clears throat> again, you know, like I talked about before, there's stress incontinence that happens leaking of the urine with uh, coughing, sneezing, or any type of abdominal pressure that you have um, women leak urine, there's stress. Um, and then the urge incontinence is when, like we just talked about, right? You have a certain, certain urge and then you leak um, urine where, as you're trying to get make it to the um, bathroom. And then there's overflow incontinence, which sometimes women can have some dribbling of urine uh, due to the bladder that doesn't completely empty. So, you know, they go to the bathroom they empty out their bladder, but then they still have a little bit of dribbling. Um, and that can be, uh, you know, afterwards, after they go to the bathroom. And um, that can be referred to as uh, overflow incontinence. And again, mixed incontinence is when there's a mixture of a few of those type of different type of uh, incontinences. So, you know, some of the things that we can do to help ourselves would be, you know, definitely you can try those Kegel exercises. Other thing might be, you know, avoiding... Uh, caffeine, because caffeine can definitely makes us want to go urinate more often. So if a person knows that they have this type of incontinence, you know, maybe they limit their intake of caffeine, right? And that may help. Are there any other types of exercises that they can do maybe? To help with uh, the incontinence? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, aside from Kegels, I can't really think of too many other exercises that somebody could do to help strengthen up that that sphincter of that bladder. I'm just trying to think out loud, and I I don't think of any um, that comes to mind right off the bat. Um, but so you know, one of the reasons why, or some of the women that may be at risk, you know, is as we age, definitely that can happen, right? Our muscles kind of uh, loosen up a little bit, and maybe the sphincter. Uh, doesn't work as well as it should. So that can definitely be a cause of this incontinence. Uh, being overweight, you know, think about all that pressure, pressure on that bladder, yeah. right? Which is going to lead to some type of incontinence. Um, they say a family history, uh, sometimes even smoking can affect this uh, because smoking affects the vessels in our body. And, um, you know, there's some association with that, with incontinence. Uh, definitely some type of um, some neurological diseases, okay, can also result in incontinence. Um, sometimes if there's been an issue or um, like any type of 
I don't know, something that affects the spinal cord, right? The nerves from the spinal cord come and they give the nerves to the bladder. So anything um, that affects the nerves in the spinal cord that that uh, attach to the bladder can affect um, our you know, being able to urinate and uh, can result in some incontinence. Um, there is a syndrome called cauda equina syndrome, which is very rare, which is entrapment of um, the spinal cord at its base. That can cause a little bit, um, not a little bit, but it can cause incontinence of the bowel and the bladder. So that's definitely something that if that's ever happened to anyone, you know, that's a, actually uh, an emergency and they need to see a physician right away for that. Um, other causes of incontinence. So for example, diabetes. Now diabetes uh, affects, again, our, um, it can affect our nervous system um, with decreased sensation that sometimes women will, uh, not women, but people in general will experience um, some numbness if they've had a prolonged diabetes that goes untreated. It's not with treated diabetes. It's not people that are actually taking care of the diabetes. You can have what we call peripheral neuropathy um, which uh, the, the patients don't feel like their extremities, like their toes and things like that. Uh, and that's with longstanding diabetes that's been left untreated. But diabetes also can lead to um, a person experiencing the need to frequent urination. And so if they're going to the uh, bathroom a lot, sometimes you know they may not make it to the bathroom while trying to rush to go to the bathroom. So that can also be a cause of leaking urine. Is there a cure for urinary incontinence? So it depends, really, the type of incontinence you have. So definitely with stress incontinence, the one that when women leak when they cough or they sneeze, um, that type of incontinence absolutely can be treated. And a person would go see a urologist or a GYN uh, what we call a urogyne, a, uro, a urologist that is also a gynecologist, and they could perform some surgeries to help lift up that uh, bladder or fix the angle that the sphincter is at so that a woman does not uh, leak urine. And um, definitely there is surgery. So for the stress type of incontinence, there is surgery that can help solve that. Problem. So that's why it's so important to go and be evaluated, because then your doctor can tell you what type of incontinence you have. And then, you know, you're able to get treatment if there is treatment for it. For the urge incontinence, there are medications that people can get. And again, you would get that prescribed by either your urologist or your urogynecologist or your gynecologist, and they can give you medications that will help with that uh, urge type of incontinence. So, you know, like we talked about, there are some, uh, there are some treatments. There are, all, there are also behavioral type of treatments, like, for example, timed voiding. So a person can say, like, you know, to avoid, say, that urge incontinence, maybe I go to the bathroom every hour or something like that so that I avoid that. Um, the that, rush to go to the bathroom. Right, exactly, like that rush to go to the bathroom so that they don't leak right so we shouldn't hold it in we should just when you feel like you got to go you should just go yeah yeah i would say that that's probably a good idea that if you have to go to the bathroom definitely go and try not to hold it in right 
Um, also, there's some type of electrical stimulation that can be done that um, provides that feedback to those muscles, those pelvic muscles, so that we can strengthen them, right? And that wouldn't be done just on your own. You would probably need to go see what we call a PM&R physician, which is a physical uh, rehab physician, or even like there are pelvic uh, physical therapists, you know, that could also help you to work on those type of things. Uh, like I talked about medications, there are medications for that uh, urge incontinence. And um, there's also, for example, some people talk about uh, injecting um, Botox or bulking. You can inject some beads into the urethra. Oh, wow. to prevent it from leaking. Yeah. So there's definitely different type of options and different therapies that people have access to. Uh, and, you know, the most important thing is being knowledgeable on those and talking to your gynecologist or your urogynecologist about that and see what um, treatments they have that they may be able to offer. Um, again, we talked about surgery and, um, and nerve stimulators. And those are definitely the most common things that uh, people use for uh, urinary incontinence. Um, sometimes, you know, the, the thought is also that um, having multiple children and pushing, right, during a vaginal birth may result in some type of stress incontinence from all that pushing, right? And that's why it's so important to, um, in fact, I was just at a, a lecture over the weekend, and uh, the woman that was giving the lecture was saying how sad it is that women don't go into a uh, pelvic type of rehab, like pelvic physical therapy, once they have children, right? Whether even even after C-section. Yeah. Because of that pressure, right? If, if you think about it, a woman is pregnant for nine months and yeah. she has this heavy uterus with this baby pressing, pressing on those down, muscles, yeah. right? Yeah. On those muscles, those muscles are going to become weak. Yeah. So Especially in your ninth month, you, the pre you go to the bathroom, the urgency is so great and you just have to literally run to the bathroom. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, those muscles become weak, right, from holding that pregnancy for so long. So it's so important for us to seek out pelvic physical therapy and even to definitely to do those exercises, do those pelvic muscle exercises to keep that hammock that we talked about a little bit, right, to keep it strong, to keep those muscles um, engaged and working all the time so that we can perhaps try to prevent some of this incontinence, definitely the stress incontinence, which is due to the muscles. Are there any products that um, women can use? Um, because it's embarrassing, you know, you, you, you can't live a normal life. You're worried about going to the bathroom all the time. Are there any type of products that they can use that can help them feel comfortable just in their daily lives? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, what I would recommend is, you know, definitely there's pads out there, right? So there's, yeah. there are pads for women that uh, may leak, but I, I just don't want our listeners or our viewers to walk away thinking that this is, you know, this is the way life has to be, right? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely, uh, those are what I would consider bandages until you get to the root cause of what the incontinence is and until you get treatment, Right. So I don't want women to think that, you know, for the rest of their life to go and wear a pad for, you know, because they're worried about leaking urine. I want them to go and be evaluated and be treated 
for mm-hmm. whatever the cause is, whether it's for medications or if there's some bulking that they can do in the sphincter of the urethra, or if it's Kegel exercises, or if it's pelvic physical therapy, or if it's surgery. And if they require surgery, you know, there's no shame in that. It's better to be treated and the root cause to be evaluated and treated so that they can live a regular life, right? So that their activities of daily living are not impacted. Yeah, you don't want them to withdraw from society because they can't, you know, they have to constantly run to the bathroom. Right, absolutely. And actually, you know, there are. So definitely you'll also, you know, when somebody is leaking, complaining of leaking urine, one of the things that actually, Ralph, that we didn't talk about was, you know, a fistula that can form. So Sometimes, um, and this happens less here in the United States because women are typically are not in what we call protracted labor for like days and days. Um, in women, in some women in developing countries, and uh, we had, in fact, I was um, I was at this interfaith talk a few years ago, and we had a urogynecologist that came and spoke to us about women in some developing countries that had what we call a uro uh, vaginal. Uh, fistula, what we call a vesicovaginal fistula. Basically, it's where the there's a connection. A fistula is a connection. Mm-hmm. So there was a connection between the bladder and the vagina. And how did that, how did that happen? That happened because these poor women in some developing countries were in labor for days and days. And that baby wasn't able to deliver from the vagina for whatever reason. And then that baby ended up dying. And what happened is that there a connection formed between that bladder and that vagina. And so now, not only does this poor woman have this trauma of having to deal with, you know, a dead baby, but she also has this trauma of now leaking urine all the time, and it's coming from the vagina. And, and then she is actually ostracized from her society, because then she is always smelling like urine, and, you know, she feels bad and she doesn't know what's going on. And so definitely those women um, have a lot of psychosocial issues to deal with. And, you know, the most important thing that this urogynecologist was telling us is that they did medical missions and they helped to fix those fistulas for those women so that they could be allowed back into their society and their communities and they didn't have to be, you know, left in their homes. So. That is definitely an aside and typically does not happen here in the United States because uh, women, you know, once they're in labor and if that baby is not coming down in the pelvis, you know, we, after a few hours, you know, we will go ahead and perform a C-section. But I just wanted to make our listeners aware that, you know, there is some something such as a, a vesicovaginal fistula that can happen and does happen sometimes in developing countries where women don't have access to healthcare and have to walk miles to even get to a healthcare facility where they can be treated and their fetus delivered, um, you know, if it makes it, right? And uh, and then be treated for then this fistula that happens um, in the interim and uh, and then needs to also be treated. Yeah, so, scary, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so that uh, is pretty much it for this topic on urinary incontinence. You know, again, the most important thing is if you have these symptoms, please go and be evaluated and treated and you'll, you know, your your gynecologist will run through some tests um, to see, figure out exactly what type of incontinence it is. 
and there is treatment. So please go and be evaluated and treated. You don't have to live with incontinence. All right. So I am done here and it's been real and really intimate. So remember, this is not meant to be medical advice. So if you're having any issues and especially with urinary incontinence, please go and be evaluated. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thank you.